Welcome to the Grace City Eugene podcast. We exist to make disciples who honor God, love people, and impact the world. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to hello at gracecityeugene.com. Here's today's podcast. Our final tough choice that we're talking about um, is choosing important over urgent. Choosing important over urgent. And now, right now, you might say, well, how would I choose important over urgent? If it's urgent, it's urgent, like urgent care. Ur- like you, you, we have a disconnect in our minds about that. We'll unpack that a little bit. But first, I got a question as we, as we get this going, and I'd love it if you guys would participate. How many of you would honestly say that sometimes you wish there was more time to do something that was really important to you? You just wish there was more time. Go ahead, raise your hand. You wish you had more time to do what was important to you. Gosh, there's just not enough time. Time is this most valuable resource, and I just wish I had more time. Virtually everybody, when asked this question, was like, yes, absolutely. I wish I had more time to do whatever, to, to rest, to read, to go on vacations, to journal, to, to get in the Word, to spend time with my wife, to go fishing, to, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. <laughs> um, but often we feel like or believe we wish we had more time to do something that's important to me. But if you're anything like me and the rest of us, your time is always consumed with those things that just like stand in the queue of life. And as soon as you get a like free moment, it's like, oh, now I got to mow the lawn, got to do the dishes, got to do laundry, got to do this with the kids, got to do this, got like cooking meals. There's all this stuff that just finds its way into our lives and seems urgent because it demands you to get it done right now. And so oftentimes urgency rules our lives rather than our own choices of what is important. And we want to talk about that a little bit today. Oftentimes this summer when I've asked people, like, how are you doing? How's your summer going? <sighs> I'm busy. Busy. Just real busy. Real busy. You guys get that when you talk to people? Like, how you doing? Whew, I'm busy. So busy. Like, you having a good summer? Ah, it's been good, but man, I'm busy. <laughs> it's like this. Even if you're not busy, you feel like you're say super busy. So that people will be like, oh, I feel you, brother. Like, busyness has almost become this false badge of honor. Like, oh, I'm super busy. Just so you know, I'm not wasting any time. I'm busy. Like, busy is not a good thing. Busyness is not something to be aspired for. Like, in, in our society, that's almost, like I said, it's like this false badge of honor. Like, oh, super busy, but you get it, right? We're all busy. Like, you've had this conversation this summer. I don't go ask anybody, like, hey, how's your summer going? You know, it's been great been restful, getting to spend some time with the kids, going to bed at a decent time, like feel like I'm accomplishing what I need to get done. It's like, anybody had that conversation this summer? It's, how you doing? How's your summer going? Oh, busy, 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 busy. So busy. Now I can't prove this theologically, (laughs) but I think that if Satan can't make you like bad, he can't get you to do bad things. He just makes you busy. (laughs) It's like if he can't get you like to fall into temptation with other things, he can't get, hey, go do this. You're like, no, come on, devil, I'm not going to do that. Then, okay, I'll just make you busy then. Like busyness interferes with us doing what is important. And I think that like busyness is just this undercurrent of taking away what is a priority in our lives and it removes 
what we believe, it removes our ability to make the choices that are important to us. And so today, my goal by the end of this conversation is that we get to stand on the truth that we have a choice to make, and we can and choose important over urgent and make our time and our relationships and our priorities work in our favor to the best that we can by calming ourselves down in a moment where there's a tough choice and choosing the important over the urgent. Now, oftentimes when I, I talk with people about this, like, I don't get it. Important, urgent seems kind of the same thing, but like, how can you just not do what's urgent? Well, I'm not saying like if something's urgent, like that you don't have to pay attention to it, but let me give you a few examples to illustrate what I do mean. If you're a business owner and you have upset clients coming in day after day, it's urgent that you deal with the clients because they're, they're mad and they probably have a reason for being mad and you have to deal with that so you can go on doing business. But what if you put systems into place that would solve the problems that are making the clients mad in the first place? So there's an urgency in dealing with a mad client coming to the front desk I know some of you are here in customer service and there's things that come in and people are angry and you have to deal with it. You're like, I get it while you're mad. It would be more important to deal with that ahead of time by working on the systems, the processes, the things that, would con- that actually contribute to the urgency of them being frustrated. Another one, this was like my life when I was in my, we'll say my 20s, my boyhood years. <laughs> my wife would laugh if she was out here. If your car engine needs repairing because you didn't change the oil, that's an urgent thing. But it's important that you just change the darn oil so that you don't have to deal with what's urgent. You get get what I'm saying? That's a little more of a simple one. Choose important over urgent. Maybe you're just run down, you're sick, and you're just burning the candle at both ends, and your body's just like, I've had it. If you're not going to give me rest, I'll take it. And now you're in urgent care. You're going to the doctor. You're spending all this money to heal because you have let yourself break down. Instead of doing what is important, managing your time, managing your health, taking care of yourself on the front end. Choosing important alleviates the need to deal with the urgent. Not every time this isn't a definitive absolute truth, but more times than not, if we focus on what is important in a given situation, the urgent does not even present itself. It doesn't even present itself. If you do what is important, you will not have as many things that are urgent. And to me, anything that will keep more things from being urgent, like that's good news. I'm like, amen. Like less urgent things, please, yes, thank you. So choose what's important over what is urgent. Luke wrote a story of two sisters. You may be familiar with this. Mary and Martha. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 39, starts off. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened up her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Now, I wasn't here in this moment, but I'm just going to talk a little bit like, man, what, what might have that been like? Just relational dynamics and what was going on from what we can draw from this. Martha probably feels a little pressure as the host here, like, uh, son of God's coming to my house. Oh my gosh. Oh, well, of course I'm going to invite you in, but there's so many things and the laundry's on the couch and I haven't even prepared anything to eat yet. I haven't wiped down my counters or swept my floors in two weeks. And I can't just throw stuff in the closet because he's the son of God. He's going to know I just did that. I can't shortcut things right now. Right. Imagine like, she's just thinking, oh my gosh, this is urgent. The son of God is at my house and I'm inviting him in. And she just goes and starts dealing with all that. And then you got Mary. She's like, I want to spend some time with Jesus. 
There's so many urgent things to do, but she chooses to be at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And in this, Martha missed the important thing, that the Son of God was in her presence, came into her home, and she pursued the urgent of trying to get everything right, everything she could manage to set the stage for this interaction. And out of the urgency of thinking she needed to be perfect and have everything right, she missed the important thing, that the Son of God was before her, and she chose to deal with the things of her house instead of be at his feet and listen to what he was saying like her sister did. Then in verse 40, it goes on and says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. <laughs> Tell her to help me. She tattles. I have four young kids. This is like my house. I'm reading this. I'm like, man, I need to read this like lesson to Kindle. Like, mom, the, my sister, this, my brother, the, like they just tattle because they don't have the big picture of what's going on. There's this one time where Brinley had like stubbed her toe, hurt herself, and like she's crying, and we're trying to find out is she bleeding or what, and she's over there dealing with that. And so Addie's over there being a nice nurturer, like, oh, what's wrong? What's wrong? Kendall comes in the other room, she's like, Dad, Addie's not helping me pick up like you told her to. Like, that's great. But she's over here taking care of her sister, something that is important in making sure she's cared for and valuing the relationship over the religious thing in that moment of, I'm just going to follow the rules. And she was just being a little Pharisee. And she cared more about if sister was going to help her pick up, because that was the rule, than if her other sister was being cared for. And like, I had to like sift through all the stories to decide which one to tell you this morning, because that's just life in our house these days. That's just life in our house. She was distracted, it says, by all the preparations that she didn't understand the opportunity or what was important right before her. What if you're distracted? What if you're distracted? What, what if you are catching yourself right now faithfully pursuing the urgent and totally missing the important? Just let that sit for a second. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now you go back to that previous section I read, and it's like all these things that needed to be done were from her perspective, and then here the Lord says, few things are needed, actually only one. Mary's chosen it, and that's not going to be taken from her. She has chosen the importance of the moment of encountering the living God in her presence, in her home, and being fully present in that. What's the most important thing that you personally have been distracted from pursuing? What have you been distracted from pursuing? Is it time with God? Is it time with your kids? You can't be fully present because there's so many things that just need to be done. It's urgent. Everything has to be perfect before I can let down and relax and actually engage in this moment. Is it your marriage? Is it recreation and activity? Reading, journaling, church community, your finances. Like there's plenty of categories we could throw out. 
But the point is, what is something that's important that you may be distracted from by pursuing what's urgent instead of what is important? I got a couple thoughts to help us as we navigate making this tough choice in our own life. A couple application points, if you will. Um, how to help us choose the important. To choose the important. One thing is, I don't know if you guys have ever tried this, but I am a like hopeless procrastinator. And so this oftentimes like, is, is helpful for me. To create artificial deadlines. Have you guys ever tried this? Maybe something isn't necessary until the weekend, but you're like, oh, this has to be done by Wednesday. And maybe you tell somebody else like, hey, I'm telling you this has to be done by Wednesday so that maybe you actually get it done because it's never about having enough time to get it done. It's about when it falls into the priorities of your day and your schedule. And you create a false time and then you're like, oh, so much stress relieved and now I focus on what's important. Like I've done that only a few times, unfortunately, with like sermon prep or something like that. And then all of a sudden I have this time and like I can be fully present with my kids and not always have this message spooling in the back of my head. And it's glorious. What kind of things might you be dealing with right now that you're just putting off? And by creating a deadline that may be artificial but is still necessary, how would that help free you up to be present and pursue the important in your own lives? Maybe it comes to debt. You're like, you know what? I got this minimum payment. I'm just going to keep doing that and pray to God for that lottery to come through. Someday I'll buy a ticket so I actually have a chance at winning it. But man, I'm just going to pray that God miraculously provides and deals with my debt. But what if you start chipping at it away at it with more than just the minimum payment? What if you start putting extra stuff to it so that you're released from the urgency of that debt hanging over you and you're freed up to pursue what's important in your life, in your ministry, and in your mission? Like, what, what would that be like? I know that's something that since I went to college at a private school, I've been tenaciously pursuing in my own life. Like, gosh, student loans are just suffocating I don't know if any of you have experienced the glory of student loans. It's horrible. <clears throat> and to tenaciously go after that, to free you up in the area of your finances, it's liberating. And now you get to start being more generous in other places. And you're not always just opening up <laughs> things every week. But, oh, more money's owed. It's liberating. And there's other things in your life besides money where that happens. How can you maybe... Like, you don't have to pay more than the minimum, like, on those things. In fact, the company that you're indebted to, would have, they'd be fine if you just paid the minimum because they have you on the hook for longer. But what does it look like to pursue getting out from, uh, from under what's urgent, to be able to pursue the important? To be able to pursue the important. Another one. This is a big one. And in a society where we want to please people, and make sure people like us so much. Maybe it's just me, but that's a big struggle for me. We need to be ruthlessly selective in our yeses. We need to be selective in our yeses. I said selective, not never say them, <laughs> okay? Not using this as an excuse to isolate and not involve yourself, but be selective with your yeses. Be selective with them. Busyness does not equal productivity, you ever know that person that's just so busy? He's like, oh, awesome. That's great. You're keeping your time like full. What, what have you accomplished? What, what did you get done this week? I don't know. I'm so busy. I just can't think about it. Like, it's just they're so consumed with busyness and the chaos of that that don't even know what's getting accomplished. 
A mentor told me this about four years ago, and I'm still getting, like, practicing putting it into place. Your yeses do not mean anything if you never say no. Think about that. If you just say yes to everybody, then there's, there's no, like, credibility or weight that comes along with it. It's just everything's yes, yes. I don't even care about myself. I'm just going to say yes to everybody. Like, it, if you don't say no, your yeses just don't mean anything. But if you know that somebody's time is valuable and that they say no to things to protect themselves so that they place priority in what is important to them and you ask them, and like, you know what? Not this time. I can't. Like, okay, I get it. That's not a priority right now. But when they say yes, like, oh my goodness, our, the, our priorities have aligned. We get to work together. They are obviously excited about participating in this and not just doing it out of obligation. Because your yeses don't mean anything if you never say no. For me, I say no to things nowadays that I never would have dreamed of like five years ago, much less 10 years ago. Like people may ask for certain things and I used to operate even more so out of just wanting to please people, wanting people to like me, thinking that I could save the world and I'd just say yes to everything and then I just hated myself because I never like got rest or whatever else. And I would say yes to so many things and now I find myself like, actually, sorry, I can't do that. It's like, oh, now having a wife who's administrative and a management mindset like helps that. Having kids helps that. Some of that has just shifted, but I find something happening internally where I desire to be more present in any given moment that is important to me than being busy in a lot of things. And it starts to change your life and change the way that you see things and the way you prioritize and the way in which you see God working in things too when you're present enough to recognize his hand on things. Amen? We say no to the good to say yes to the best. There's plenty of opportunities you're going to have even this week to participate in or say yes to things that are good things. They're not sinful. They're not taking you away from a relationship with God on the surface, but they may not be the best thing. So when it comes to not choosing what's urgent, but choosing what's important, we have to determine our priorities to know what is the best and choose those things first. Because the best leaders don't do more, they do more of what matters most. They just align their priorities better. It's not about taking on some more stuff on top of everything else. It's choosing what is important and doing more of that instead of more of the other insignificant stuff that may not contribute to the end goal or lifestyle that God is leading them into. So you got to do first, this is the third point, you got to do first what matters most. Do first what matters most. And that principle goes across just life. I start out my day and I, <laughs> I like ease into my day, right? You guys are like, oh, better check my social media, better check my emails. I just got to like hang out for a little bit and get my brain turned on. You ever say that? I just got to let my brain start up, you know, just really, <laughs> like you're just easing into the day. And then like some people say, oh, I just, I, I start that way and then I really crank it up. When the reality of it is what you're doing is you're starting slow and you're tapering off, right? Like, cause you just never get going. You never get traction. You never get the accelerator going. And so what does it look like to start out with what is most important first? What's most important in our lives if you call yourself a Jesus follower here? You need to get some time with the Lord. Start out there and see what flows out of your life because of doing what's most important first. 
Make sure you have a touch point with your spouse if you're married. Make sure your kids know that you exist and you love them and you're not married to your work. Like These kinds of things are important to do first because they matter the most. You have time for what you choose to have time for. And that's a hard truth to swallow. That's something that a lot of people, including myself, like to argue because we can become a victim to our time where we think time is just coming at us and we don't have the ability or the strength to make it work for us. That happens in a lot of our resources, finances, time, relationships. We're not a victim to those things, but God can bless those things and how we use them if we prioritize and do what matters most first. Instead of reacting to what everybody else wants from me, I can initiate relationship that is important. I can schedule it out. I can preserve the time and make sure that also my kids and my wife and my family and those things have time in the schedule that is immovable and set in stone. Be intentional with planning these things. (coughs) Melissa, can you come back up? Martha, oh, one point before that. When it comes to relationships, this one's important because some of you who may have hosted life groups or like to have people over and you have this burning desire to have more relational connection and have people over and but there's just always these hurdles. Like it's just so much work to get my house ready to have people over. It's so much work to make sure the kids are acting right so that we can have another family over so we just don't have World War III in the toy room while we have this family. Like things are difficult. And I would urge you, and I believe this is a point from the Lord this morning that he calls us to choose people over perfection. To choose people over perfection. When you're like, I can't have anyone over. Have you seen, like, I haven't vacuumed all the carpets. Did you see this? And everything's about trying to get the space proper, the physical space to facilitate relationships. What does it look like to choose the people over the perfection and see the space as the environment of welcoming them into your home and not setting some unrealistic standard that in order to be in community, the space has to be perfect, but it just has to be real and you have to be present in it. What would that look like? Would that alleviate some barriers for maybe you outreaching to people or inviting people into your life if you didn't put perfection over the people? What would that look like? Because in this case, Martha chose the urgent, but Mary chose the important. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken from her, the Lord said. She's chosen what is important and it will not be taken from her. She will be blessed for that. So family, this morning, when we're confronted with this tough choice, urgent over important, it would be my prayer for us that we start to recognize the important earlier so that we can avoid the urgent down the line. That God would lead us to make steps in our time, in our money, in our relationships, in our resources, that we would encounter the important far before anything becomes urgent. Amen. What would it look like for extending the kingdom of God if he gave us his eyes and his heart and his wisdom to see and acknowledge the important before it ever became urgent? Well, that sounds great, Pastor Chris. So you're saying if I just listen to God, I'm never going to have anything urgent. No, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm saying that in some of these things, we do have a choice. And when we do have a choice, let us seek him and let us choose what matters most first. 
Let us choose what is important over what is urgent. When we do have a choice in the matter, and it's hard, because right now I see that this is the presenting issue. Great, deal with that, and then don't let that urgent presenting issue happen again. Make a change and see how God can work through that and free you up to follow his purposes on your life. All of this is not just to help your bank account get better. All of this is to help you glorify God in all that you do. And we get to glorify him when we pursue the plans and purposes and the destiny he's placed on our life. And when we're confronted with a tough choice, we don't make the choice that takes us away from that, but we make, we make the one that aligns us with that. And that brings glory to him. It brings teamwork, cooperation, and it becomes like a, a thing where the church, where us as a people are a living testimony to a God who is good and transforms our lives from the inside out. Amen. That is the goal here. Some of you are sitting here saying, that's great. Can't do it. Pastor, you don't know how much stuff I got going on. You don't know how my relationships have been burnt. You don't know the status of my finances. You don't know what my work is like. If I'm not married to it, I'm not going to get a paycheck, and I'm not going to be able to provide for my family. You just don't know. Pastor, that's great. I may not. But I work for the guy who does. God knows your situation. He knows what you're going through, and he specializes in bringing dead things to life. So if you feel like your finances are dead and defeated or your relationships are dead and defeated or your marriage or your household are just dead and defeated, we serve and follow a God who specializes in breathing life into dry bones, amen? And I believe that he can and desires to do that in those situations for you. So I'm gonna pray for us that he would do just that and then we're gonna take communion as it's the first Sunday of the month together. So God, thank you that you specialize in breathing life into dead things, in resurrection, in breathing life into dry bones. Dad, we thank you for that. So any areas in our lives right now, <clears throat> Father, where we just think or feel like things are dead and defeated, where they're dead and defeated, and it seems like there's no hope, would you show us the hope in that? Would you show us the hope through your power, your presence, and your leading that can happen in those places? Can you give us a glimpse of what resurrection power looks like injected back into those places that we may have given up on? And Father, would you give us the boldness and the courage to encounter them, to deal with the urgent now and head it off as it's important later? Father, would you empower each of us to deal with the important now so that urgent does not even become a thing. Dad, I thank you so much that we get to do this in community. I thank you for your Holy Spirit that empowers us to be able to even do this, to live life this way, to hear from you, to serve you. God, you are so good. And for that, we praise your holy name. Amen. If we can pass out communion. <clears throat> so what you're going to get is you're going to get a little cup. If you haven't done communion with us before, it's kind of like a puzzle of sorts, unless I explain it to you. You're going to see a little white wafer on the top. There's two layers of plastic. You can peel the first one back to access the wafer, and then you can peel the other one back when it's time to take the juice. <clears throat> as they hand this out, hold on to it. We'll take this all together. But as we even look at our lives and it's this word that God spoke here at the end of 
feeling like we're dead and defeated and that these parts of our lives have died. As we take communion, as we approach this sacrament, let us look at it remembering the reality of Christ resurrecting, coming back to life by the power of God that he brought his son back to life. And let us not just look at that as something historical and pretty cool and that's in the Bible that happened, but the same power, I think there's a song about this, that rose Jesus from the grave like is living in us, is still here, still has dominion over the earth, and still has dominion over these things that you think may be lost and be a lost cause in your life. And I believe that he wants to raise them back to life here this morning. It may be an immediate thing. He may miraculously work and you're like, oh my gosh. Or it may happen progressively over time because Father is a parent. Father God's a parent. He wants to teach you something so it doesn't happen again. I don't know how it's going to happen in your life, but I believe God wants to breathe life back into these dead places and spaces and see you be able to fully pursue your purpose in him. So as we take the wafer, let us remember the body of Christ that was given for us. As you peel back the next layer and we take the juice, do this in remembrance of Jesus whose blood was shed so that we could have life and life to the fullest. Dad, we thank you for communion. We thank you for the reality of what you did for us. We thank you for the hope that that ushers in in our lives now and eternally. And we praise you for this community that we get to pursue you and your mission here on earth within. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.